0: through 1 Corinthians tonight, and we are going to cover the first 14 verses in chapter 9. Um, Just as a review a little bit, in chapter 8, at the beginning of chapter 8, verse 1, Paul said, Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. Some of the things that he was answering here um, now concerning the things sacrificed to idols, like he was answering a question. That kind of goes back to the beginning of chapter 7, where he says, now concerning the things about which you wrote. And they had many questions, uh, obviously, that he was trying to straighten out some things in the Corinthian church. They had some problems with unity. They had some problems with who they were following, with uh, sacrifices to, to uh, idols, uh, meat, and uh, just uh, being in their with marriage, all kinds of things that we've kind of covered that they've had problems with. Um, and so he wants to, in the beginning of chapter 8, talk to them about things sacrificed to idols. He's going to kind of go into that question they had about the meat that was in the idol temples that was sacrificed. Some ended up, ended up in the marketplace. Some ended up in homes of people and served for dinner. Some people in the church were probably friends with those people. Invited over for supper tonight. We're having idol steaks, Mm -hmm. idol chops, maybe. I don't know what they'd have. But what do we do? And so Paul was answering some of those questions about that. But the the main thing that he wanted to talk about here was their liberty Um, in freedom in Christ. They were free and food could be taken with thanksgiving, no matter what kind of food it was, because... Food didn't defile them. What came from their heart defiled them. And that's why I think he says here that, you know, you can have knowledge, you can have understanding, you can know theology, you can know systematic theology, whatever it is. But if it's not accompanied with love, it's kind of empty. And so he said, knowledge can make arrogant or proud, but love edifies. Paul was truly a saint, by the way. He was truly a saint because he went through a lot um, and we'll see some more tonight. Just um, it's bad enough to be attacked by the world out there, but to be attacked by the people that you're serving and those are supposedly your as hit their father in, in teaching them the gospel to be attacked by them stings, especially it stings, especially. And so Paul Paul never lost sight, I don't think, of love edifies and love builds up. And Paul was willing to suffer um, the loss of a lot of things and was willing to do that, willing to give up freedom in his rights or liberties that he had for the better of his brothers and sisters in Christ. And tonight, as we go to chapter 9, he's going to explain that or be an example of that a little more. Um, through these first 14 verses where he kind of uses himself as an example, Paul's use of liberty is the title in my Bible on the first uh, part of chapter nine, Paul's use of liberty. So kind of who Paul was, how Paul lived and God's provision for Paul and for us. Um, and so we'll look at that tonight. Um, I just want to say up front too, um, Paul, and we'll see this tonight, and I think this is a good thing for us to remember. As I look through this this week, it just, it, it pricked my heart a little bit. Uh, Paul was all for the gospel. He was all in. In fact, he said earlier in, I think it was chapter 2, he said, For I determined, yeah, chapter 2, verse 2, For I determined to know nothing amongst you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul went right to the priorities. We just sang about it. You know, the God who saves souls, the God that we love, the God that we care for. And and Paul was all in. And he was zealous for the Lord. He was all for the gospel. That's the title of our message tonight. Um, Freedom and example, the, the, the theme of our message tonight, and... Our proposition, as I thought about that this week, and just what I wanted to think about as we looked at these things for us tonight, and I think what the Lord has for, what he laid on my heart, and what I think he has for all of us tonight, is comes from a song that we sing often. All for Jesus I surrender. For all to him I owe. I think that was Paul's mantra. I would, I would surrender my rights. I would, In fact, he talked about for his countrymen, he would surrender his salvation that some of his fellow Israelites would come to know Christ. All I owe him, Paul would say. All I owe him, and so I surrender all. And we're going to look at that in our application tonight. Who Paul was, how Paul lived, and and uh, what God's provision is for you and I. And uh, we'll look at that tonight. Now, let's read through the first 14 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. We'll read... Through verse 14 there. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are my seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. And, you know, if you read between the lines right there, those that examine him, he says, my defense or my answer. Paul was, Paul was under attack by people outside the church and inside the church. And, and some questioned what his motives were, probably. Some questioned who he really was. Um, you know, Paul didn't, have, Paul didn't have a Ph.D. hanging on the wall in his office. But he knew what he had. In fact, he said once, he said, I am what I am because God made me what I am. And God called me to himself and I was not, I was not unfaithful to that call. And I preached the gospel and I go here and there. And Paul, Paul, was, a, Paul was a bulldog for the gospel. He just, he, he just wouldn't let go of that. And he just, he just went on and on, even through beatings and through things that he suffered. And he's answering some accusations. He says, my defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and doesn't use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? yes. For our sake it was written because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we do not, we did not use this right. But we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. And you know, by the way, that word hindrance there in verse 12, we can go back to verse 13 of chapter 8. And that's the same word interpreted stumble. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. So that we will not. So that we will cause no hindrance or no stumble to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together again. Thank you for each of the folks that are here tonight. Lord, uh, we are free in you, but we have responsibilities to one another. And and we we don't just care for ourselves. Uh, We care for those about us, the saved and the lost. Um, We want to see... The saints sanctified and we want to see those that do not know you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one true God. Um, In him is life and and eternity and in him is forgiveness and in him is hope and, and joy and peace and faithfulness and all the things that we need. And so as the Apostle Paul was all in and all was surrendered for Christ, all to him he owed. We, we owe the same debt, but we're we not seeking to repay it. We're seeking to be faithful to the one that saved us. So help us as we study tonight. Help us as we look at your word and teach us all tonight uh, what you would have us to know. Uh, we pray these things. And and by the way, we give we, we give you the glory and the honor for the, what you teach us and for the undeniable fact that you love us so much that you died for us. We just thank you for that. And we give you the honor and praise tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You know what I hated in school? I hated in school pop quizzes. You know why I hated pop quizzes? Because I never studied for them. They were pop quizzes. That's what made them pop quizzes. You were supposed to know these things. You know, in the passage that we're looking at tonight, I think I counted 16 questions in this pop quiz that Paul's going to give us tonight. 16 questions he asked in this little section of 14 verses. And you know what, you know what pop quizzes do or questions do? They make you think. They make you think what you think you know you didn't know. And they make you think what you do know to reinforce that. Pop quiz can be a good tool. And here we have a kind of a pop quiz, 16 questions from Paul. Who Paul was? uh, We'll begin there in verse 1. He says, "Am Am I not free? And the answer to that first question is yes. Paul was free in Christ. He taught that. We are free in Christ. We are are freed. You know, we're freed from we're freed from the burden of sin and, and the penalty of sin, and we'll one day be freed from the presence of sin. But right now we're free from the power of sin. We can choose to say yes. But beyond that, we are freed also from the burden of trying to earn salvation. Because it's free in Christ. And when we realize that, that it's all been paid for for us, we stop working to earn Christ's favor. And we enjoy that fellowship with him and that joy of being a child of God. We are free in Christ, free from the the penalty of sin, free from the power of sin and free from the presence of sin. One day that will happen when we are with Christ and we are made like him. Paul says, am I not free? Of course I am. And of course, you and I, too, if we have trusted Christ as our savior, he says, am I not an apostle? The answer to that one? Yes. And an apostle will we could go clear back to chapter one. Paul introduces himself in the beginning of this book. Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul didn't earn this degree. Paul didn't seek this degree, didn't seek this position, this apostleship. But by the power of God, he was what? Called. this position. I want to submit to you tonight that you and I are called by that same God to a position and an inheritance as children of God. We're called by that power. We didn't earn that. We didn't go seeking that. We are called by the power of God to Christ. And that's the same as this apostleship that he had. He was called and saved, but he said, am I not an apostle? He said, yes, I was called by God and by the power of God. That's what I am. And he says, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? That was one of the, one of the criteria for being an apostle. You have to have seen the risen Lord. And Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. Wished we had video of that, don't you? Just to see that encounter and see the glory and the majesty of what Paul saw that day. The only problem with that video, if you watched it, you'd be blind. Because the power and the brightness of God blinded Paul that day. But it blinded him so that he could see the truth. It blinded him so that he could understand the sin that was in his life and that God was the answer to the forgiveness and the call that he was to be called as an apostle. Yes, he saw the Lord Jesus on that road to Damascus. And he said, are you not my work in the Lord? We could go back to chapter um, two. We already looked at that a little bit there. And he says, and when I came to you, brethren. I did not come with a test I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my message and, and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And so he says here, he asked again, are you not my work in the Lord? Paul had presented the gospel to them and he had seen the spirit of God take a whole of lives and change them. He said, are you not my work in the Lord? So the answer to these first three questions in our pop quiz are, am I free? Yes. Am I an apostle? Yes. Have I seen the Lord Jesus yet? Yes. Are you not my work in the Lord? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All of these things. This is who Paul was, a believer in Christ, free, an apostle of Christ, commissioned and empowered, a witness to the gospel and a presentation of the gospel that was not his own message. It was not his own wisdom. It was the working of God through him. That's a good lesson for you and I to remember today when you present the gospel don't try to talk people into it don't try to win them with your persuasive words present the gospel in a humble and a trusting fashion with a prayer that Lord use me work through me and let me see your grace and power change a life I think that's what Paul's desire was. He knew it wasn't his power. It wasn't his persuasive words. It wasn't his mighty strength or anything else. This was the power of God. He said, are you not people that I led to the Lord? And I think the answer that they thought about that could say, yeah, I remember the day I was sitting there and Paul presented the gospel in in the Corinthian church. I was sitting in pew number three, seat five. And I was saved that day. There's a song on the radio. I like to, when I'm riding my bike in the morning, I turn on the radio and I like to hear that song. I don't even, can't even tell you who sings it. But one of the lines in in the chorus is, Jesus saved me in a parking lot. He can do it anywhere. It was on the front seat. He was right there beside me. He saved me in a parking lot on a Tuesday night. And God can work anywhere. It's God's power. He can save anybody, any place. He says, are you not my work in the Lord? Because the Lord worked through me to bring you to himself. And he says there in verse two, here's who else he says. If to others, I am not an apostle. At least I am to you. He says, at least I've led you to the Lord. We can go back. I I think it was in chapter. Oh, let me see. Chapter five or six. Um, Maybe it was in chapter four. He says. Yes, he said, for uh, you have countless tutors in Christ, uh, yet you, have, you, were not, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. He, he said, at least to you, I am, your he- I am your father in the gospel, and that I was the one that presented that to you, and I am the one that presented the gospel to you, and you believe that gospel. He said, I'm at least an apostle to you. Think about that. I'm at least an apostle to you because I led you to the Lord. I presented the gospel and by God's power through me, God used my service and my presentation of the gospel. It was his power that saved you. And he says, you are my seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And so he said, because you have believed, because you have trusted Christ, think about this. You are, you are proof in the seal that, yes, I am free. Yes, I am an apostle. Yes, I am... Uh, I've led you to the Lord. You are the seal. Look in the mirror. Basically is what he's saying, folks. Look in the mirror. You are my seal. You are the proof that God has worked through me. And his power has been evident in the gospel going forth. My words, but really the Lord's words is what he was saying. The gospel. It wasn't his eloquent speech. He's already talked about that. It was through Christ that God uh, worked through Paul. Paul. And brought the gospel to these folks. And he said, you are my seal. And so he says there in verse 3, here he goes to defend himself. There was a divine work that had changed these people. A seal was on them and on his work. The seal of, of Paul's apostleship was that they had believed. And here he begins his defense. My defense to those who examine me. And that examine is, word is those who judge me. Is how that's interpreted in the Greek. He says, those who judge me. Is this my defense, um, uh, my answer is this. My answer is this. Uh, Do not, we have the right to eat and drink. Um, In other words, as an apostle, as someone who is free in Christ, as their spiritual father, he says, do we not have the right to eat and drink or earn a living or have the authority? That word right is interpreted the authority. Do we not have the authority to eat and drink? Eat and drink is just a, a metaphor for the right to work and earn a living. Don't we have the authority? Don't we have the authority to eat and drink or make a living? You know what the answer to that pop quiz question is? Yes. Yes, they do. In fact, you could go to, I think it's Matthew ten ten, where Jesus taught that the laborer is worthy of his of his of his work. He's, he's the laborer is worthy of his hire. He should he should make his living off of that. So Jesus taught that too. And he's, the next question they ask is do we not have the authority or the right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord Jesus and see of the Lord and Jesus. Don't we have the right to take along a believing wife? Paul wasn't some think he was married and his wife had died. We could talk about that all night and Talk and look at different people, believe one way or the other. It's not really the point. Some had wives. Peter was married. Uh, there are others who were married. He says, don't we have that right to? Don't we have the authority to take along a believing wife? Or are we, kind of what he's setting up, are we set apart? Are we not equal to them? What did he ask? Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Do I not have these rights? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. There's the answer again. Yes, you do, Paul. Or do only Barnabas and I... Not have a right to refrain from working. In other words, I can just hear some of the, can't you just hear some of the things? You know this Paul guy? He, he doesn't work, he's a shyster. He's making money off of the gospel. I think we looked at another passage where that, where, uh, that making a living off the, and just making a living off the gospel and being false about it is called earning filthy lucre. Earning filthy lucre, just filthy money. is making money off of God's word. And there are people today that do that. There are people today that make filthy lucre. And I can just hear people say, Paul's just, he's earning filthy lucre. He's just, he's just, he's not what he says he is. He's not an apostle. He's defending himself against those within and out of the church. And he says he's, his example is how he's lived, what his rights are. And he's kind of establishing those. He says, Barnabas and I, are we the only ones that have to get a job to earn a living so that we can present the gospel? Is it only Barnabas and I that don't have the right to refrain from working? Uh, no, they they have the right as the same as others, and he's going to talk about that. So he goes on to examples from life, how Paul lived, how he lived and how he lived his life as, a, as an apostle and as a, a presenter of the gospel, caring for people. Uh, Being examined by men really didn't bother Paul. He was always examined by the Lord and he knew his heart was right before the Lord. In fact, there were many times he said, as the Lord lives or that the spirit testifies, I'm not lying to you. Do you know what Paul was saying? The spirit could come or Jesus could come stand right here beside me and testify to how I live. And I hope we all can say that. Our motives are correct. Because God could come beside us and not only see how we live, but he could see the motives of our hearts and what's really the reason why we do the things that we do. Paul was, Paul was blameless in those things. Not that he was perfect. He wasn't a sinless man like you and I. He was, he was like us. He, was, he, was, he had his faults. Sometimes he probably got angry and shouldn't have. Sometimes he probably kind of lost his temper. We see hints of that in some of his sarcasm that he has throughout his writings. That he was, he was a sinner like you and me. But one thing that I know he was, he was, he was saved and he was all in on the gospel and he had surrendered all for it and he had surrendered it so that he could see other people come to know the Lord. Um, I I wish that, I wish that I were more like the apostle Paul, because sometimes I get caught up in, you know, we all do that a little bit, get caught up in me and get caught up in my desires and, and not not in surrendering all. We'll talk about that in a minute. But here he says he gives an example just from life, from the way people should understand how a man lives and how how Paul has lived and, and served the Lord and presented the gospel and he was an apostle. He says, Who who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? You'll not find anywhere where there's a recruiting office where they say, For nineteen ninety five, you pay, you can go to war. No one, no one pays to go into the service and serve their country. The country provides for them. He says, here's an example from life. No soldier serves at his own expense. Or who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it. You know what's big today? Wineries. They're all over the countryside. There's a lot of them around here. Not that, I'm not, I'm, this isn't a scave against wineries. Wineries. Um, I've never really tried any of them, but I probably would like some of them. Maybe that's why I don't try any of them, <laughs> but you might like some of them. But no, none of them are planting those all of those grapes to say, take what you want, and I don't need any. They're taking it for a profit or for their own use. He says, no one plants a vineyard and doesn't eat the fruit of it. No, they don't do that. No one does that. Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? Who tends a flock and doesn't use some of the milk? I don't have sheep, but I've got chickens. And I give away a fair amount of eggs, but I eat a fair amount of eggs. They aren't just for you, folks. <laughs> no yolks. <laughs> they, I eat some of them, too. And so who, who has a flock? Who has a, a, a group of chickens or whatever it might be and doesn't use some of the milk or some of the things that those things produce? The answer is no one in their right mind, you use the things, you grow the things, you, you serve your country, not at your own expense. And you you produce, so you use those things that are produced for yourself too. No one just does that. And so he's saying that no one does these things in life. He says, I'm not speaking of things according to human human judgment, am I? Well... Yes, you are speaking of human judgment, but not really. Or does not even the law say? So then these are just common things. And he says, or does not the law also say these things? And so he goes to this in, this is in, um, this is in Deuteronomy 25, 4. And he says, um, for it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is He? You know the answer to that is yes, He is. Let me let me show you in um, Luke chapter twelve, I think it is. Luke chapter twelve. Um, let me see where that is. Oh, here it is. And Luke twenty, Luke uh, twelve, verse. Well, we'll start back with verse 22. And he said to his disciples, for this reason, I say to you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat, nor your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens or the oxen or whatever. Consider God's creation for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn. And yet God feeds them. God feeds them. God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Is God concerned? God's not concerned for oxen, is he? Well, yes, he is. He's concerned for his creation. But the example is here that this, this, this beast of burden in God's grace, he says, don't just muzzle him and not let him enjoy some of the fruits that he's producing for you. God's mercy even is on the oxen. And he says, God's law says, don't don't muzzle the oxen while he's working for you, producing grain and crushing that for you. Let him enjoy a little bit of it. So even in God's law, there's provision for the worker. There's provision for the one that grows. There's provision for the one who serves. There's provision for the one who... tends the flocks and there's provision for the oxen in God's mercy and grace he provides for them. So here he says, or is he just speaking all to, is or his he speaking altogether for our sake? Paul answers it for him. Yes. For our sake it was written because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. You know, I have many people ask me about my, you know, can I pay you for your eggs? No, I get to use some of those eggs and I get to, I get to help my girls produce some of those eggs by feeding and caring for them. So that what I hope to share, I hope to share it with you. And so we, 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 we hope to share the gospel with those around us. And we, we hope to do that at no cost. Our hope is that we're not charging for this. It's not, it's not for filthy Luger. It's, it's so that we can see people come to know the Lord. Paul said, here's my great... I think Paul would say, here's my great joy. Here's, here's my goal. And I think this is a good reminder for all of us. This is my goal. To see the brothers and sisters in Christ that I serve with to grow in their faith. To see those... That are in our midst. That don't know the Lord Jesus. To come to know him. To those that are in our community. Or in our family. That don't know. The Lord Jesus Christ. To come. To saving faith in him. Paul would say. I've surrendered all for that. In fact he says in Philippians. Everything else I consider rubbish. But this one thing. That you would know Christ and that I would know his resurrection and that I would come to the attaining of the, in his presence to know the fullness of that one day. Of the, of the hope and the glory in his presence one day to be free of this. I, I think about that sometimes too. To be free of this mess of sin. To be free of the struggle. I think, I think Paul, he talked about that too. I don't know what to do. I want to help you along, but boy, I want to go home and see Jesus. I don't know which to choose, huh? I want to help you so bad. I'm all in on helping you. But I want to see Jesus so much, I just can't understand it any longer. It's, it's, a, it's a dilemma. It should be a dilemma for us. And he, and he says, was he speaking all together for the sake of, of those oxen? Yes, for us. Yes, for, for the sake of, it was written, for our sake it was written. Because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher ought to thresh in hope and the sharing of the crops. If we sow spiritual things in you... Is it too much if we reap material things from you? And those spiritual things are not only the gospel. Yes, he presented the gospel. But yet he continued to present spiritual things for them to grow in their faith. You know, that's why it's important for you and I to attend services and to, and to be under the word preached and to read it ourselves. Spiritual things sown into our lives that will grow And grow our faith is called sanctification. He says, we've sown spiritual things into your lives. Yes, first the gospel. Then an understanding of, yes, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And we should love one one another in unity and and in in Christ-likeness. Caring more for others than for ourselves. We've sown spiritual things. And so because we've done this, we've worked tirelessly at that, I think Paul could say. These spiritual things we've sown into your life... Is it, not, is it not okay for us to reap material things from you? The answer to that is yes again. Another question in the pop quiz. If others share the right over you, do we not more? And I guess he would as an apostle, more. Yes, he would be given more. Um, I used to say it at the church that I was at before. And I, I guess I'll say it here. I'd do this for nothing, but don't stop paying me. (laughs) I would do this for nothing. And I think Paul would say that too. Paul would say the joy of the gospel, the being used of God, what greater reward, what great riches. Paul talked about that. This gospel message that he had was like a treasure to him that he just clung to his chest and said, this gospel message is a treasure that I carry everywhere with me. And you know that treasure that he carried with him. Most people say, "I carry this treasure. I'm going to go bury it somewhere and hide it, so that I got it for a rainy day." Paul said, "I carry this treasure so that I can open up the box and share with anybody I meet. I carry this treasure that God has entrusted me with, and I am under obligation, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I carry this treasure to share with you. That's what he would say. And I think that's what we should say today. And All in for this gospel like Paul was. He says, if others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, he said, nevertheless, we did not use this right. I have the right. He said, I have the right to being paid. I have the right to take on a wife with me if I wanted to. I have the right to eat and drink. I am an apostle. I have been called by God. I earn my living. What soldier serves on his own cost? What farmer produces stuff and doesn't enjoy them? What Sheep keeper or chicken keeper, whatever, produces things and doesn't enjoy some of those things. If we've sown spiritual things, we have the right to do that nevertheless. Nevertheless, we do not use this right, but we endure. We do not. That word endure means we... You know what that word means? It means we cover with silence. Paul just said... He covers his mouth with silence. I'm not going to come with my hand out saying, you owe me, brother. You owe me for what I did. Cover with silence. We don't want to be using that right, but we will endure all things. You know, he doesn't say we'll endure it to a point. We'll endure all things. All things. All things. So that we will cause no hindrance or stumbling to the gospel of Christ. Oh, that we would not get in the way of Jesus. Sometimes. Oh, that we would not. Make people stumble over that. He said, I don't want to be a stumbling block or a hindrance to what? To you? No. Yeah, well, really. To the gospel of Christ. Do you not know those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? This is he could be talking about the, the temples around there, he could be talking about the Old Testament and that the those priests that served earned their living or had a portion that God prepared for them to take home with them. Off the sacrifices, but you know what their greatest portion was? They had no land that they owned around there. You know what their greatest portion was? The Lord said, "You won't have an inheritance because I am your inheritance." What a great calling that was! And you and I, we are we are are called as priests to God. And you know, sometimes we don't think about that enough. That God, you are my inheritance. You are my great treasure. He said, don't they serve, have the right to to eat these things or have a share from the altar? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Paul was this. This is who Paul was. This is how Paul lived. And God's provision was that God provided for him. Paul didn't ask the church to provide, but he was willing to work and God provided what he needed if he had to work for it or those that gave gifts. He just looked to the Lord. He said, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I owe. No hindrance for the gospel. I, that's, it. was his goal. Not for sword gain, but with a pure motive, he sought to serve the saints for, of God had, who had been called, who had led to the Lord with a willing heart and he was willing to give up all and suffer all, for those that Christ had called to himself, for the sake of Christ, he was willing. And for the sake of the cross, he was willing to do that. You know, as I got thinking about this, just, I wanted to read some on Philippians, but we won't read that tonight. My time's a little over already. Uh, I was thinking about surrender all. And you know, we think of that, with surrender all. We think of money. We think of maybe our home. Or we think of material things. I want to just suggest a few things as we leave tonight that maybe some of us need to surrender. I know some of them I do. Sometimes I think we need to surrender all our pride. Sometimes I think we need to surrender time. Sometimes I think we need to surrender anger. Yeah, sometimes we need to surrender sorrow. Sometimes we need to surrender uh, stubbornness. Sometimes I just need to surrender my thoughts to the Lord. And the list could go on. That's not an exhaustive list. There's a lot to surrender. The Lord will help us to surrender those things. Paul said... I surrender all for the gospel for you. I'm all in on that. Lord, help us surrender all. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for um, just all you are and all you mean to us. Thank you for calling us to yourself. Thank you for the gospel tonight, for the joy it is to know you and to serve you. Um, there, There is our great treasure, and it's you. So we thank you for this time tonight and thank you for these folks. Help us with these things as we serve you faithfully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.